Welcome in episode 24 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, uh, tough one uh, for the boys, the Eagles, and, uh, and the Jets on Sunday. Um, I do want to play a clip of, of yours that you would send me right after the game. Um, Aaron was driving home distraught. Uh, the Eagles lost 27-17 after leading the game 17-0 in halftime. Uh, we're going to go to this clip here, then we'll get Aaron's thoughts as a little bit of a teaser. Um, we dissect the Eagles and Jets uh, later in the show. Oh, dude, I am pissed off. I know your team didn't really seem to be in it most of the game, and, and believe me, I know how that feels as well, but we were up 17 to nothing against that fucking terrible team that, that is Washington football team, and just it went to shit so fast. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Oh, I thought today was going to be real. I thought week one, you know, I – didn't think. I mean, I thought it might be close. It was close last game, last year, and and Washington usually gives us trouble. I thought it'd be 28-18 Eagles. Damn, was I mistaken? What a fucking joke! All right, Aaron, uh, we just listened to uh, your fantastic clip of you ranting and raving about the Eagles' shitshower performance on Sunday. Um, what can the listeners look forward to uh, later in the show when we dissect the Eagles-Washington uh, matchup? Yeah, just a whole bunch of. Uh... You know, no pass protection, uh, no help from the receiving core, no help from, you know, to, to mention briefly, Zach Ertz really uh, dropped two passes that were at key points in the game. And then uh, just a slew of injuries, nothing new for the for the Eagles. Just year after year, it just seems like uh, they get a worse medical staff or, or just people just can't stay healthy for uh, even, you know, the first couple of weeks. So that'll uh, that'll go into and then uh, I'm sure Daniel will touch on his uh, New York football Jets we'll, t- well. we'll touch on the Jets who were playing a different sport on Sunday I don't think they were playing football maybe they forgot how to play football I don't know what the, what the deal was but uh, nonetheless let's get into today's topics and now for today's topics all right folks Aaron uh, week one in the books NFL week one is behind us uh Highly anticipated week one. Obviously, I, I, me, my, I, I thought that, you know, without preseason games, with an abbreviated training camp, with COVID, everything else going on in 2020, I thought we'd have some shit matchups. I got to be honest, it was one of the best weeks of football I've seen outside of the Jets. We'll get to that later. But uh, give me a couple quick takeaways from what you saw this week, and then we'll get into to some action. I know I want to talk about Brady versus Breeze, Saints, Bucks. I want to talk about Baker Mitchell, the Browns shit in the bed. But uh, give me a couple quick hits on what you uh, took away from week one. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of close games. I mean, for the for the most part, you know, there were a couple blowouts, but uh, I thought the Carolina Raiders game was was one of those that just went back and forth for the most part. And I think Teddy Bridgewater, you know, proved some some doubters wrong. I I kind of picked them as my surprise team. I don't know how that's going to go, but uh, that game stood out to me. The Saints and Tampa Bay game, not not that it was super close, but uh, definitely spiked uh, spiked my interest to say the least. Yeah, th- those were the games that stood out. I mean, the uh, uh, definitely some controversy in the Cowboys. Ra- uh, I'm sorry, Rams game uh, down the stretch for Dallas. But uh, yeah, well said. I think it was one of the better weeks in the NFL, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, close competition this year. And and really, for for it being a week one without a preseason, I think most teams looked pretty well. I mean, they're you know in exception to a couple, but uh, we'll get into that as well. Yeah, no, you mentioned Tampa Saints. I think this game was probably the most hyped game of the weekend. It was the 425 game in the league slot on Fox. Uh, you had football, basketball, hockey, baseball going on at the same time, but it seemed like everybody was tuned in this game. 
we had fucking Nets or uh, Nuggets Clippers game six, I think, in the middle of this game, and no one knew what was happening, and nobody knew that the Nuggets forced a game seven because everyone was tuning into this game. But a couple takeaways, I think I think Brady uh, was finally showing his age. Uh, I don't know if that's just a product of having, like I said before, a bridge training camp or not being under Bill Belichick's umbrella in his bubble per se, but he was getting hit. Uh, he looked to be a little bit slower than usual. I mean, he's 43 years old, so I'm probably going to be in a wheelchair by the time I'm 43. Uh, but give me a couple th- couple takeaways from his, ga- his game. I'll give you a stat line. He was 23 of 36, 239 yards, two touchdowns and two picks. Uh, one of those picks was a pick six. Uh, Bruce Arians came out after the game and, and basically said that he needed to be better, uh, which, you know, I don't think you ever heard – you know, praise or chastising from Belichick either way in the media. So a little bit, a little bit of a, a shot, I would say. Uh, I, I don't expect you know the sloppiness, I guess, to continue. We saw a lot of bad penalties, um, saw a lot of mistakes from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that you probably wouldn't see uh, in a normal Patriots offense. But uh, what do you think this team has to do to to right the ship? I mean, they put up 23 points on a good Saints defense. It uh, Seems to me like it's more on the defensive side of the football than anything else for this Bucks team. Yeah, I think um, you know going forward, obviously the the offensive line didn't look excellent. I would say, I mean, they're they're playing one of the better defenses in those in this league, one of the faster uh, defenses in this league. Um, just had Brady kind of you know not to quote your boy Sam Darnold, but uh, seeing ghosts a little bit to an extent. Hey. But uh, just because uh, you know, I I think he was thrown off his riv- rhythm. I think he's going to take him a little bit to to get accustomed to, to these guys. I think, um, you know, you might be spot on with the, with the Gronk prediction because he just didn't really look like himself at all. Uh, wasn't really a huge factor, to, to say the least. So uh, I, know, I know Brady went to Mike Evans a few times. Um, I know Brady put it on. Uh, it, Mike, so Mike Evans had one catch. He, he targeted him like six times, but had one catch and it was a touchdown. But, like, that was, that, that to me, him, him, Mike Evans and Gronk were two of the guys where I was like – they're not getting involved in the game plan. I feel like they need Godwin, Evans, Gronk, O.J. Howard to consistently be involved for them to, like, be a legitimate threat because at, at that point you're taking away Godwin, you're taking away O.J. Howard, and you can only – and then it leaves, like, Mike Evans and Gronk to basically disappear. So, uh, so sorry to interrupt, but it, the Mike Evans thing was a little bit puzzling to me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's – from where I'm coming from, where, where he's just going to have to learn, you know, where the, where the guys want the ball when they want it out of their – out of their routes and, and things of that nature, just because, you know, having no preseason games, that's, that's going to play an impact. Um, I mean, overall, I don't think he played terrible. He th- threw a couple picks, uh, you know, kind of uncharacteristic of, of Brady, but um, I think they'll, they'll rate the ship. I think they'll start getting on the, on the same page uh, as far as Mike Evans and, and the rest of the receiving core. Um, but I think the, the analysis of Gronkowski, I, I just, I was watching the game third and fourth quarter and, and you know, you really didn't see him, make really much of an impact. So uh, don't know how much he has left in the tank. Obviously, uh, Camaro really was the one that, that shined in this game. It wasn't even really Drew Brees that, that put it on the, uh, the Tampa defense. So, um, you know, you, you take away the two turnovers, you could be talking about a different score in this game. I just think it's going to take Brady, you know, a couple more weeks to, to really get clicking. But, um, you know, it was a little bit surprising that, that New Orleans held on because, you know how Brady is in the in the third and fourth quarters. Usually he's just he's dynamite, but he, he just couldn't really find the mark, at, at least enough to, to win this game. Yeah, and let's let's let's. I mean, you mentioned the Saints. Let's I think let's talk about them. Uh, kind of a pedestrian stat line from Drew Brees: eighteen for thirty, one hundred sixty yards, 
two touchdowns, 5.3 average uh, on, on each of his passes. So not, not a great day from him statistically. I just think he was more of a, a game manager out there. Alvin Kamara was fantastic. Uh, you know, he had a touchdown rushing and a touchdown receiving, fresh off a, f- a new five-year contract from him last week. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think the pick six, obviously, for, you know, for, for the Buccaneers hurts. But other than that, I thought this was a, p- a pretty evenly matched game. I don't think these teams are going to, you know, blow teams out of the water. I think, the, you know, the age that Breeze and Brady are, I, I think they're going to be more of like a, a game manager type, and hopefully their defense can help them out. I will say the Saints have a much better defense than the Buccaneers do, so I think that's a lot. That's why a lot of analysts are probably picking the Saints to win the division over the Buccaneers. But nonetheless, if, if these two teams, along with the Falcons, and you mentioned the Panthers, just sort of being your sleeper team, if you know all four of these teams can make some noise, I think mean, I think it's going to be one of, if not the best divisions in football. So, uh, like I said, Breeze kind of looking like he was forty-two, forty-three out there, uh, kind of looking like, looking like he can't throw the ball more than like fifteen yards down the field, which Kind of hurts Mike Thomas's game, who only had, I think, three catches for 17 yards. Yeah. Um, and Sanders had, you know, three catches for 15 yards, too. So it's, it's not like he's bombing the ball downfield. Maybe Taysom Hill gets a shot here and there. I know he had a 40-yard completion um, at one point. But fascinating game. I think it was interesting to see, you know, Brady in, in a Buccaneers uniform for the first time. And, and it was kind of funny to see Gronk look like a 50-year-old man running routes. Um, but good game nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good uh, assessment on that. I, I just expected uh, Tampa Bay to, to make some noise towards the end, but that, that's really all. Yeah, we'll go to some other games here as well. Um, we don't really need to touch on much about the Ravens because uh, they were obviously fantastic and everybody knew they were going to be. But I want to mention the Browns here um, getting shellacked 38-6. to We uh, have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. Uh, Kareem Hunt, uh, David Njoku, you know, I could go down the line, Austin Hooper as your new tight end. What do you, what do you think their issue is? And do you think this is sort of just a first year coach with a young quarterback in a new system type of game, you know, chalk it up to just not being down to a science, not having chemistry yet, or, or is this a significant problem that Baker's going to have to go through for another season in the NFL? Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think this might be another down year for them. I mean, pretty much every year is a, is a down year for the Cleveland Browns, but uh, it's one of those deals where, uh, you know, to put only six points on the board and granted against a, a good defense, but, you know, week one you expect uh, some type of life to be shown, and, and it's just, you know, they were pretty inept all day long. Um, you know, just get blown out of the water, I think. Uh, you know, if, if I'm the Cleveland Browns or if I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, I should say I – I want a better hiring as a head coach than, than who they currently have. I mean, it's almost like taking a step back from Freddie Kitchens, if yeah. not, if not, you know, just as, as good as, as what Freddie Kitchens gave you, which was nothing really, to be honest with you. So um, I think they just need better coaching. I, I don't think necessarily the personnel is, is terrible. I mean, I, I would take Baker over, you know, I'd probably say at least half the league and then, you know, the receiving core, the, the running backs, everything like that is, is definitely on the, the higher end uh, as far as talent. So um, in my opinion, I, I just think they need better coaching. They need a better scheme. Uh, and, and now you got Baker trying to learn a, another offense in, right. in what only his third year. So. Third season, yeah. No, we were, Aaron and I were talking about this off air a little bit before the show, but, you know, Baker's on his fourth head coach in his third season, which is the first time I think it's happened in NFL history. Kevin Stefanski came from Minnesota Vikings uh, to coach this team. He was passed over last year. 
uh, for Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens obviously fired after one year of just ineptness and being just a fucking idiot. Uh, then they hire the guy uh, who was passed over last year. So when Aaron mentioned mentions it was a step back, it, it absolutely is a step back. And I kind of I kind of see Baker sort of a lost puppy out there. He, he he's kind of on an island and. He can't put the team on his back and do everything he needs to do to win when you have a shitty offensive line, a shitty system, a shitty coach, a shitty city, a shitty organization, a <laughs> shitty owner, uh, a, a through Z, everything's shitty for him right now, uh, including his brown jerseys and Odell Beckham's chest. Uh, but that's a different conversation. Um, so I think it's, you know, hopefully he can, you know, whether they decide to keep Stefanski after the season. Uh, a lot of what we're saying today, I think, is uh, – maybe like an overreaction podcast. Obviously everyone tends to overreact after week one, but uh, it is cause for concern only scoring six points when you have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and then two decent tight ends. So maybe it's our offensive line. I, you know, I, I got to, I got to probably uh, dive deeper into, into more of the film and Aaron and I are playing on doing some film, uh, some film recaps, obviously maybe with some quarterbacks, maybe with just some teams in general to better uh, give, give you better analysis on these guys. But uh more of the same from the Ravens, I think. Uh, Lamar Jackson was 20-25 for three touchdowns, which is absurd, and then rushed for another 45 yards. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're going to throw for 300 and rush for 50, I'm, you're probably going to win every week. Um, and then if your defense is holding, you know, someone like the Browns to six points, uh, all, all seems to be going well in, in Baltimore, I should say. Yeah, they, they sure know how to put it together in the, in the regular season. I think that's pretty established by now. Uh, it's just, you know, can they – withstand the, the pressure of the postseason and that's been kind of their question mark but obviously uh a fantastic start for them and and they look pretty impressive doing it anything else uh before we get to the eagles and jets that really caught your eye i know joe burrow uh suffered a close loss to the chargers 16 13 um he was actually leading his team down the field and, and the kicker uh, was kind of funny faked an injury and missed a field goal uh, i think in the last minute so they lost by a field goal um, I thought he looked pretty good. I don't know if you were able to catch any of his highlights. Uh, Cam Newton um, won the game for the Patriots, rushing for 75 yards and two touchdowns, rushing 15 times, which uh, I think is a sign that Cam Newton's fully healthy, which is nice to see. Obviously, I hate to see the Patriots win the game, but uh, they played the Dolphins and Fitzpatrick. Um, Dolphins here, like, like why, why are you starting Fitzpatrick? His, his stat line was 20 for 30, 191 with three picks. Why not just throw two in there? I guess, uh, you know, they're playing it safe, obviously, uh, as well documented that, that we've talked about to be in the uh, walking emergency room. I guess they're just trying to make sure he's completely ready to go, you know, for when he does come in. Um, but you kind of know what you have with Fitzpatrick. I mean, one season, I shouldn't even say a full season. He, he can play well for three to four games and then it'll just unravel like, uh, you know, like nobody's business. So it it looks like, you know, this might be one of those years he just totally shits the bed and, and the Dolphins might win, you know, just a few games or, or maybe they'll throw two into the fire at some point this season if it gets to the point where, you know, how they looked last season. So I think they, they've upgraded their talent, but sure as hell not ready to, to compete for that division. Throw, throw them into the fire. What do you have to lose? Like when, like when Darnold was 20 years old starting for the Jets two years ago and he had absolutely no team around him and they were losing, obviously, but like, Throw him into the fire. Give him that experience. Obviously, you don't want to put him in a, in a situation where he could potentially get hurt or injured. But throw him into the fire. Give him that, I guess, experience. Give him, you know, life experience as well, dealing with the media, dealing with the ebbs and flows of being a professional athlete. Uh, college players only played 12 games. Give him the experience of playing 16 games. I know a lot of rookies talk about hitting that wall. 
quote unquote, when it gets to week 10, 11, 12, uh, just give them, give them the experience of being a professional. That's just uh, same thing with the Chargers too. Like fucking start Justin Herbert. I don't care if he sucks, but like throw him in there. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely with you on that. I, I think, you know, maybe the Dolphins are doing it the smart, uh, the smart way and the fact that they don't want to injure uh, Tua or they don't want any potential injury to, to occur there uh, if he's not fully healthy. But if I'm the Chargers, I'm definitely sh- I'm throwing Herbert out there. I mean, you know what you have with, with Tyrod Taylor. You know what you have with, with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But it, kind of two different situations there. And if I'm the Chargers, I'm, I'm definitely throwing Herbert out there and just seeing what he's got in, in year one. Uh, Cowboys Rams was also a good game. I watched most of that. Uh, Mike McCarthy, obviously coaching his first game in over a year since he took a year off after getting the boot from the Packers. Uh, came back in an all-time fashion. They were down uh, twenty to seventeen, and they were in the red zone. Uh, he went for it on fourth down, and obviously they turned the ball over and didn't score after that. So uh, where he could have kicked the field goal and taken the game to overtime. So Mike McCarthy has not skipped a beat, uh, which is great to see. <laughs> It's great to see because uh, he's the coach of the Cowboys, and it's always nice to see them lose. But a uh, very contested game, um, and I think uh, – I can't remember exactly who it was, but they did call it an offensive push-off uh, coming oh, down the stretch. Uh, on J- uh, Jalen Ramsey, I think it was Michael Gallup on Yep, on yep Michael Ramsey. Gallup, yep. And, and that was, to me, a little bit questionable. I think, uh, you know, he did kind of extend his arm to a certain degree, but – it's almost on every play you see that. So that was one of those judgment calls. I'm obviously obviously going to root against the Cowboys, but, you know, I would have been kind of irritated if they called that on my team. I, I think that was a little bit Bush League. I think that was a little bit uh, of an overreaction to say that that was past interference, but nonetheless they, they lost the game. It's always good to see the Cowboys lose a game, um, especially when the Eagles lose. It, you know, it's, it's tough to drop a game in the Cowboys, but seeing them lose always brings uh, joy to Aaron and myself. So – Speaking of the Eagles and, and uh, you know, I, I think the listeners after that electric uh, voice message they heard from Aaron uh, in the intro to this podcast are very much looking forward uh, to this breakdown of the Eagles versus the Washington football team matchup here. So 27-17 I don't think uh, spells out the entire story. So you're going to get some behind-the-scenes sort of look here at uh, what went down, and I'll let Aaron sort of sit on his soapbox and I'll hopefully uh, chip in a few questions here and there. But uh, – We'll start at the beginning. Uh, you know, Philly jumps out to a 17 nothing start. Um, all was well in Birdland. Wentz is looking good. Uh, Dallas Goddard is on fire, has probably on five catches at that point. What is sort of going right for the Eagles, and what did you see for them and like from them right out of the gate? Uh, I mean, they, they definitely came out clicking. They looked like they were ready to play. Uh, I mean, Wentz, Wentz to start the game was on fire. I mean, he wasn't missing anybody. Um, down, uh, we, had, we didn't have Lane Johnson in the game. Uh, you had Jason Peters slide over a position. Um, the offensive line just was – even in the beginning, the offensive line was having a hell of a time trying to contain uh, Chase Young. Um, you know, just really the whole the whole front four there was, was having wreaking havoc. Uh, I mean, Winston had much time to throw the ball, but to start the game um, did look – for you know, he had two touchdowns early. Um, just – uh, the running game was was pretty inept all day. Uh, they didn't have Miles Sanders, so once again, it, it just goes back to the injury bug. Uh, super contagious on this team as always. So um, to start the game, they were looking very good on defense. Um, they really had everybody uh, protected really well. They, they weren't giving up really anything on the ground to start the game. Uh, just kind of all started to unravel uh, late in the second quarter. Uh, right before halftime, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Carson Wentz throws a pick. 
yeah. his first pick of the game. Uh, and you sort of sense a shift in uh, sort of the team morale, uh, their shift in playing style. Do you think that sort of signaled things to come for, for the rest of the game? And what do you, what do you think that did for uh, Wentz's confidence? Yeah, that – I mean, it was right before the half and they were actually trying to almost, you know, just keep the foot on the gas, which I have no problem with. Uh, a lot of a lot of other people say, you know, it's Washington football team, just, you know, run out the clock and, and take the 17 nothing lead. I, I have no problem going for, you know, more and stepping on their throat. Um, but it just went through a, a bad pass to, to Jalen Rager at that point. Um, one of those things where I, I don't know 100% if he didn't run the route completely. Uh, him being a rookie, him being the first game ever out there in the NFL. Um, but regardless of that, uh, poorly thrown pass, uh, pretty bad just body language. You could tell in Wentz's, Wentz's face. Uh, and it was just one of those situations where, I mean, he's, he's coming into his fifth year as a, a starting quarterback, and, and you just got to shake it off. I think he definitely gets rattled, you know, fairly easily. Uh, granted that, you know, he was getting pressured for the entire first half entire game for that matter so uh one of those deals where i, I that was like the start of the the debacle and the, and the collapse yeah so down uh obviously down a, a few guys in the offensive line down a couple of receivers let's get to Wentz's weapons uh dallas goddard had a pretty impressive stat line eight catches for 101 yards with a touchdown uh average of 12.6 yards per reception um what did you see from him and then we'll also get to zach Ertz here who had three catches for 18 yards a touchdown as well. Uh, obviously, a, a pretty pedestrian stat line for Ertz compared to Dallas Goddard. Uh, fresh off a knocked out in a club in like South Dakota or something uh, in the offseason. But uh, what what did you did you expect Goddard to, to sort of have a breakout here, or is this sort of just an anomaly for uh, the tight end duo on on Philly? I think uh, they definitely targeted uh, Goddard way more often. At least uh, I can you know point back to the first drive they were. Going to him heavy, I don't know if it was in the scouting report or, or something like that, that uh, just Washington had a, a hard time covering him. Um, huge body out there, almost like a, a Gronk type of size player. So, um, you know, Dallas Goddard was getting open. I, I want to say that Wentz almost just looked like he trusted him a little bit more. I might be looking too far into it. But uh, later in the game, I mean, he started going to, to Ertz, um, you know, here and there, I mean, he only had three catches. I know he's targeted him a lot more than that, but uh, the the fact of the matter is, like, Ertz just started dropping the ball. Uh, he dropped it on a, I forget if it was a third and ten or you know it was like a third and eight, some some situation like that. And then uh, on fourth down, when we were in a position uh, to to regain control of the game, uh, you know, Ertz drops a pass that hits him right in the hand. So uh, very uncharacteristic for the Eagles to go to to Goddard way more often than Ertz. And then wait, and extremely uncharacteristic for it's to drop the ball multiple times, even, you know, one time during a game. So uh, quite, quite the weird situation. And, and now you got rumors of uh, Ertz on the trade block. Uh, this, I know before the game, they had said that uh, the, the general manager and uh, Ertz got into a pretty heated conversation. So I don't know how Howie Roseman and, and Ertz are, you know, how well the conversations are going this week, especially after a, uh, a very poor performance on his part. So a lot of, a lot of drama is always there. A lot of drama in Philly. It wouldn't be Philly without the drama. Uh, let's get over to, to Washington a little bit. Dwayne Haskins really didn't do too much on the Stalin here. 17 for 31, uh, 178 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they only ran for 80 yards as a team. Uh, nobody had above five catches. Uh, 
kind of a pedestrian selling, I guess, pedestrian box score from the Redskins as a whole. But uh, what did they do well uh, to basically shift momentum there in the second half and uh, come back and, and uh, secure the W? Yeah, it was more so, I want to say, like the, the Eagles lost this game. Washington really didn't win the game. Um, it was more one of those situations where I think, I want to say Wentz's second pick put him in uh, almost like field goal range immediately. So that's obviously a huge momentum shift. Um, well, I mean, Washington just did what they had to do. Um, in the second half, I want, you know, their defense was was all over everybody. Uh, nobody was really getting open. Uh, the pass rush was the biggest thing all day long. Uh, you just really didn't have any time to throw the ball. And, and I do put that on, on Philly's offensive line. Um, it was almost like they were waiting for everybody to come into the backfield to try and pick them up at the last second. And obviously that's never going to work. Um, so uh, Kerrigan had a, a monster day. I can't remember how many sacks, but uh, Washington as a, as a team had eight sacks. So kind of hard to overcome that. And then, you know, you put Carson Wentz in, in deer in the headlights mode, and, and usually you're going to get a win out of, out of the team. So um, one of the situations where I, I don't think Washington is that great, they're, um, you know, there are eight defenders that they kept putting in the box. So those – People look pretty good, but uh, Haskins going Florida, I don't know how confident I am <laughs> in, you know, him being a starter in this league. But uh, they came out with the win, so I can't really say much bad about them. It's just – it's more so a credit to the defense and the pressure and, and just forcing the turnovers because uh, if it, when it comes down to Haskins, I mean, you pretty much gave him a short field every time they scored. So um, that's about it for that. So moving forward, uh, what what do you think uh, Peterson and then uh, get, what do you think he can do better for for his staff? What what is the issue with the coaching staff? Maybe and then uh, give me a guy or two who who needs to step up. Whether it's Carson Wentz, whether it's Ertz, whether it's a couple guys in the offensive line, whether it's the defense. Give me a guy or two you're looking for to step up and, and sort of be a leader and uh, right to ship here in in, uh, in week two. Yeah, so I, I think it definitely stems from. Uh... From Peterson and then down, I mean, you, you could almost say that's the general manager's fault for assembling an offensive line so <laughs> terrible. But um, at, at this point, I think Doug Peterson definitely shies away from, from running the ball. Uh, when, you know, when whenever they get in a close game situation or, or even when they go up ahead, he'll, he'll just get really pass happy and they'll try and throw the ball 50 times a game even when they don't have to. Uh, granted, they were down there, they're starting running back, but you still got to pound the ball, you know, especially when you have the lead and, and just try and take some clock, uh, some clock out of the game. So, I mean, I think Peterson just has to manage the game better. I think they have to run more like players in motion, uh, jet sweep. You, you just got to be a little bit more creative um, because, I, I mean, it was just, it was Wentz dropping back. Uh, it was, uh, for, for lack of a better term, just, just shitty play calling all day long because. If you look at it, uh, they were just running very simple routes and, and, and routes that actually were taking pretty long to develop. And then I was only putting Wentz in a, in a worse situation. So um, you just got to be more creative. You got to be more on top of it. But you also got to go to the, to the running game. Even if it's not working all day long, you got you to at least phase it in from time to time because what they're doing is way too predictable. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. got to be better. It has to be better. Uh, you know, they, they're coming in and playing the Rams at home uh, for their home opener. Um, do you expect them to do much? Do you expect the Rams coming off a big win for the Cowboys to basically assert their dominance again? I think the Eagles, according to Vegas and, and the betting lines, are actually favored to win. 
which might surprise you and some other uh, some gamblers out there. But uh, uh, what what do they need to do to stop the Rams' offense? I know, obviously, uh, you know Donald and Aaron Donald and his uh, his teammates on the defensive line might uh, wreak some havoc there for the Eagles' offensive line, to say the least. There, but uh, do do you foresee an Eagles uh, you know favorable matchup there with the Rams, or do you think it's the other way around? I think uh, I think so. We'll, we'll break it down on the on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, we're getting uh, Lane Johnson's coming back. Uh, it's going to, you know, sure up the offensive line to a certain extent. And then you got Miles Sanders coming back. So I, I think um, they'll at least have a fighting chance in this game. I, I just – they obviously have to execute. And, and they have to start the game the same way they played the Redskins. you got to come out and, and assert your dominance early because uh, the Rams are one of those teams where, you know, if you don't get on the ball from the get-go, they, they can run up some points on you. And I, not to say Jared Goff's a, a superstar in this league, but – uh, fits very well into that system. And I think the Rams are one of those teams where sometimes they are underestimated and, and they can play like one of the best teams in this league. So I, I think the Eagles will have a fighting chance only because of the injury, uh, the injured players are coming back and, and that'll play a huge impact, but play calling has to be better. Uh, Carson Wentz decision-making has to be better. Uh, you got to throw the ball away. I mean, I think um, I'll be surprised if the Rams don't get at least like three to four sacks in that game, just based on, Everybody else, I mean, other than Kelsey, Peters, and uh, sometimes Peters, I'll say that sometimes, and then Lane Johnson, it's the other two. There's so many injuries on that team that even uh, uh, Jack Driscoll, who, who was playing in this game, I think he came out at one point. And he's, <laughs> he's a rookie. So uh, it's just an abomination of, uh, you know, general manager uh, not really paying attention to death on the offensive line. So. I think they have a fighting chance, but it's really going to take everybody and uh, to show up and, and just better play this playmaking uh, by Wentz and, and better play calling by by Peterson. It's got to start uh, from the top down. Little uh, little tickler for the people before we move on to the Jets. Before or after Week Eight? Uh, what, what's your guess when we see Jalen Hurts? I'm gonna I'm gonna say not not starting, just appear in a game. Appear in a game. Uh, it could be an injury. It could be Wentz playing like shit. It could be a wildcat. It could be a package for him. When do we see Jalen Hurts enter an NFL game? Uh, give me, give me just one. Give me like ten seconds on that. I want to check their schedule real quick. I, because I, I think it's you know we mentioned it back when in, when Hurts got drafted. Uh, you don't draft second round picks to sit on the bench for very long. So whether they're doing a Taysom Hill, Drew B situation where he comes in those couple passes. Runs wildcat, runs for you know, you know, a couple of first downs. Like, I feel like at some point Peterson's probably looking at his chops and wants to design uh, some sort of package for Hertz, who's obviously a lot more mobile than a guy like Wentz is. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a fair estimation. It, it almost pains me to say I, I think you'll see him. I think you'll see him right after week eight. I think like maybe week week nine, week ten. I think. Down, right. down the second half of the of the right. schedule. I, I respect it. I you know I think uh, and we'll get into. You know, my thoughts on Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold in a minute here, but, uh, you know, it's it's week one. Uh, obviously, lends itself to a lot of overreactions, and you're about to hear a lot more overreactions, uh, I'll say that. But uh, that's Eagles, Redskins, 27-17. Was the score consequently the same score for the Bills and the Jets? Bills obviously took it uh, in a game that really wasn't close. I think the box score, uh, 10 points, really doesn't indicate that close of a game. The Jets had a, had a garbage time touchdown, and, um, the defense was was pretty stout in, in the second half, but uh, Buffalo didn't really give a shit, I don't think. But uh, Aaron's going to team me up for a couple of things here. Um, I, I kind of want to go off. I, I kind of want to, I don't know, 
I don't know what I'm going to do about about the Jets here, but it, it just kind of looked like they were playing a different sport. Uh, the Jets' offense started the game by going three and out four times. Uh, the Bills' offense scored 21 points in the first half. Uh, Darnold looked terrible. Um, he was skittish in the pocket. His footwork was off. He was kind of leading one way with his upper body. His feet were facing a different way. Had, had a, a really terrible off-balance uh, pick in the first half that threw in the triple coverage. Uh, to a slot receiver who's 5'9", and expected him to come down with a jump ball. Um, didn't really look that great. Uh, I think coming into the season, a lot of Jets fans had sort of a, a, a taste of wanting more. With Darnold coming out of last season, obviously going 7-9, and nine, him really not taking that next step that a lot of guys tend to take in their second year. So uh, this year, a lot, of, a lot of Jets fans, and not necessarily myself, but, but maybe if we you know, continue to have performances like this, are kind of seeing this year as, as a make or break. And he, he didn't really do much this game to uh, quiet that. I'll, I'll even go as far as to say as he did a lot to maybe make that noise a little bit louder and amplify it a little bit on himself. So his stat line real quick is 21 for 35, 215 yards, which isn't great. Uh, one touchdown, one pick. As I said, they had a garbage uh, time touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't think it's all his fault, the offensive line. Um, not great. Uh, they, they trotted out a rookie left tackle who did well. but. Their interior offensive line um, didn't do well, and it's 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 great because we're playing uh, Nick Bosa and uh, the the San Francisco 49ers this week, so it gets even worse. Um, but uh, Gase to me, Adam Gase, the coach, I wouldn't trust him coaching my high school football team, much less my NFL team. Um, time and time again, they're on the same goddamn route. They'll go first down, first and ten. You know, Darnold throws an incompletion, whatever. He's pressured. Second and ten, they'll run the ball for you know two yards. Okay, fine. Third and eight long third down, you know, probably not what you want to leave your, your young quarterback with. Then he'll go and throw a screen pass and then they'll lose two yards. And then we have a punter who's backed up to the 15, trying to punt the ball 50 yards down the field. And it, you know, gives them great field position at the 40 or 50. So I saw that happen five or six times in this game. Um, and that exact situation led to probably 21 of their 27 points. Uh, so to me, this game is absolutely probably 75% on coaching, 25% on the players. Uh, they came out just not ready to play. As I said, the Bills scored 21 first-half points, which is inexcusable. Uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell got hurt. Uh, Chris Herndon didn't do, really do that much at a tight end. Um, they had a couple injuries on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Greg Williams did not have this defense ready to play. So if I had to take a positive away from this game, it's that uh, it's over. And it's behind <laughs> us, and we can move on to another week. And uh, – Maybe you can chalk this one up to, to just uh, not having a preseason and not gelling with your teammates. But uh, Adam Gase is on my shit list, I'll tell you that. How, uh, how long do you think uh, – all right, so give me, give me this. How, how long do you think it is till they, till they off Gase? Uh, you know, is it before the season's over? Is it halfway through? Is it week 10? What do you, I, what do you think for that? I think it's before the season is over. Their owner came out today and did the whole, like, fake bullshit vote of confidence stuff, which is kind of a tough look after week one. In my opinion, he called Gase an offensive genius, <laughs> even though he runs the same goddamn five plays and they don't work. Uh, so I'm going to go – if I'm putting a number on it, probably by week, like, 12. They play a really tough schedule. They, they play the 49ers, as I said, which is probably a loss. Then they play the Colts, which is probably a loss. Then they play the Broncos, and they play the Chiefs. So we could be sitting at 0-5, 1-4 maybe maybe one in six, one in seven, which is what we started last year. Um, and this is Darnold potentially hopefully staying healthy. So uh, if they start out one in seven, one in eight, two and two and eight, whatever it may be, you know, after 10 games, I think Gase probably gets the boot. And then we, you know, kind of 
you know, move forward and, and let Greg Williams run things for, for a couple of weeks and move on to the off season. And at that point, it's just going to be on figure out if Sam Darnold is the guy or not. If he is fantastic. If he's not draft somebody else, I don't give a fuck. Like if you don't have your franchise quarterback draft somebody who's going to be your franchise quarterback, he's a great guy. He, he, he handles the New York media pretty well. He's a very nice guy. I like him as a person. I like him as a quarterback from time to time, but if he's not your franchise quarterback, get him out of my face, get him out of my organization. So, you know, are we talking about Trevor Lawrence tanking for Lawrence, tanking for Trevor, losing for Lawrence, whatever the phrase you want to, you want to do. Maybe it's kind of tough for me to, to come out and say that week one, but they do have two first round draft picks. So if they're anywhere in the top five, they do have the assets to go ahead and trade up for, uh, for a guy like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So to me, this is definitely on coaching. Uh, I hated the Adam Gase hire from the start. He had three shit years in Miami. Hasn't done anything since Peyton Manning was his quarterback. I could have coached Peyton Manning to be a good quarterback that season. He threw 55 fucking touchdowns. I don't think that's on Adam Gase. I think that's more on the greatness of Peyton Manning and who he was as a quarterback. He's had two – this is his second shit season with the Jets starting off. So uh, everyone last year blamed, you know, Darnold and Mono and stuff like that. Well, Darnold really didn't do much when he came back from Mono. So – uh, you know, he obviously had that the seeing ghost game against the Patriots. Next week after that, they lost to the Jaguars. The very next week, they lost to the, the Dolphins, who were winless at that point. And then a couple weeks after that, they lost to the winless Bengals. So uh, you have to stop running your, your mouth and talking about, oh, you know, we played a good defense. You know, the Bills are top five defense, whatever. Like, uh, enough of the bullshit, enough of the excuses. If this guy isn't your guy, just get him out of the building. Yeah, yeah, I think uh... – you touch on a lot of points there that, that I can at least uh, understand and I can at least, you know, vouch for as far as, uh, you know, when, when these quarterbacks kind of just take the high road, like I'll hear Wentz say a lot, you know, I've got to be better. I've got to be – it's like it's like a broken record now. Yeah. Like this is, a, this is a results league. I mean, I'm not going to say you got to come out there and, and throw 50 on every single defense that you're playing, but, um, you know, even for a guy like, like Wentz or, or, you know, you, you mentioned Darnold, I mean, it, there's no, no excuse when, when it's consistently, you know, you're, you're making the same mistakes. Okay, so you bring up the point, he throws into a triple coverage with a guy that you know is not going to go up there and get right. – I mean, sometimes I, I just look at it like these guys are, yeah, under tremendous pressure, not only, you know, from their own city, but, you know, they know they're on TV. They know that this is uh, – you know, every game's a big deal in the NFL. So – um, you got to throw the damn ball away, though. I, I don't get why. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly these coaches are telling them that. I mean, I, I would be hard-pressed to find a coach that's going to say, yeah, throw it into triple coverage. And, and I see Wentz do it all the time. I see it where it's there's two guys right in the general area on a, on a first and ten, and he's like, I'm going to try and throw it in this tight window. It's just like the the juice isn't always worth the squeeze. you you gotta you got to factor in, you know, these defenses um, – you know, they can step up and make a play, and, and that shifts momentum so fast in, in this game. Um, so I think going forward, I mean, I, I didn't see – I saw maybe a couple minutes of the Jets game, but I, I, if I'm the Jets, I'm going to lean on, on Le'Veon Bell as long as he's obviously in there. Um, well, he's out for three weeks. So the gifts keep on coming in. But, uh, I mean, I think I think if you're if you're running the Jets offense, so you, you got to – you got to give t- – 
you know, there aren't all the time to throw the ball. I mean, you, you can't and you can't be running these pointless screenplays on third and down, third down and ten, and expecting a, a big gain every time. That's not going to happen hardly ever. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Just, just give me some creativity. Just, Might as well. Just, just be creative. You, you have nobody. You know, receiving your tight ends like kind of suck. Your offensive line isn't great. Just do something outside the box. Do something creative. Like I don't know, but maybe you steal plays from Sean McVay. Maybe you steal plays from Bill Belichick. I don't give a shit. That's what I would do. I would just take everyone's best plays and probably install them myself. <laughs> do what you have to do to accentuate your strengths. Get Darnold on the run. Maybe run a little bit of hurry up to get the defense on their fucking heels. Like they, Darnold plays best football on Sunday in the two minutes before half and then in the fourth quarter when they're running hurry up offenses. Maybe do that for 75% of the game. I don't know. Just get creative, uh, accentuate your strengths, play your strengths and, you know, maybe you won't get absolutely embarrassed and, and look like you're playing a different sport. Uh, but that's that's my rant on the Jets. I know that was that was long winded. Uh, obviously, not great for for the Eagles and the Jets respectively in Week One, uh, and and two uh, two two honestly tough matchups for Week Two uh, with with the Rams and 49ers. The NFC West is uh, no joke this season. Um, like I said, the Jets play the 49ers on Sunday, and the Rams and Eagles have a matchup as well. So. Uh, I think Aaron and I are going to do more. You know, obviously you heard Aaron's soundbite a few minutes back there in the intro. We're probably going to do more of that. I think we might try to do a first half recap for each and then also a, just a game recap as well. Uh, just so, just to give you guys sort of our gut reaction, it's kind of funny as well. If, you know, if they're playing like shit, I think it's obviously more entertaining. <laughs> and if, if they shock the world and actually play well uh, for a change, that might kind of be funny as well because uh, you'll probably hear the surprise in our voice. But uh Aaron, uh, just looking at the week two board here, looking at the week two slate, are there any games that really catch your eye? I know uh, the 425 game game of the week we have uh, Ravens-Texans, which could be kind of nice. Uh, are there any games that, that you, you think you're going to tune into other than the Eagles-Rams? Yeah, I think uh, that, that's definitely the marquee game, in, in my opinion. Uh, I think Patriots and, and Seahawks, is, it's definitely an interesting storyline. I don't know if the Patriots can really uh, go out west and, and compete. Um, Steelers Broncos I think that might be an interesting one yeah. um, Broncos are kind of ascending the Steelers are Steelers seem to uh, have formed up that defense pretty well yeah uh, I mean granted it was against the New York football Giants who are an absolute joke and, and have been for the last couple of years but um, in the in the same respect uh, that that's definitely an area where they've gotten better uh, but how much does Big Ben really have left that, that's really the question there um, Panthers, Buccaneers, I'm, I'm a little bit interested by that as well. Um, obviously, I, I think even without being said that I'm an Eagles fan, I think that, that Rams-Eagles game is interesting. We'll 100%. see how that, that matches up. And then, um, you know, other than that, you got you got a, an NFC North, uh, Lions and Packers. That's always usually uh, just, just because they know each other so well, sometimes those games are, are extremely close. Um, yeah, the, and then you got the uh, – the, the Battle of Ohio there, you know, with, with two young quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, Baker's not, not his rookie campaign, but uh, third year coming in. And then you got the, the new kid on the block, Joe Burrow, uh, thinking he's hot shit. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we, we too shaped out to be a good week as well. Um, like I said, Aaron and I will do hopefully halftime and then also just game recaps, and we'll throw them here. Uh, maybe at the beginning of next week's show or, or maybe in the intro, similar to how we did it today. We'll have to figure out the structure there in the back end. But uh, that was week one. And, Aaron, uh, hopefully our teams can be better moving forward. Yeah, you can only hope. I mean, it, 
it's only going to go either up or, or stay the same. I'll say that. I don't think it can get much, actually much worse. You, those. You, haven't, you haven't seen Jets football in the last – I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> def, definitely can't get worse. But uh, we'll, we'll move on here to some basketball. Uh, you know, obviously, the Lakers are securely in, in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, Heat Celtics uh, went to overtime with uh, the Heat pulling out a close win on, on, on behalf of the block from Bam Abadeo. But uh, not what we want to talk about here today, folks. We want to talk about Nuggets, Clippers, Game 7. Obviously, the Clippers choked. In all-time fashion, Doc Rivers loses his second 3-1 series. First coach to ever do that in the NBA. Playoff P was way off P. Paul George sucked. Kawhi Leonard was one for 11 in the second half with two points. Paul George had three points in the second half. Patrick Beverly is a bum. Zubach is a bum. The entire Clippers uh, team stinks, and I'm here for every second of it. As much as uh, I would have loved – I mean, the Clippers were, were my pick coming in for, for the finals, so obviously that's – that's gone and over with, and that was a, a bad pick on my part. But, uh, I mean, you, you pretty much summed it up in the fact that I, I just think Paul George might be the worst player in, in either game six or game seven, so, like, of all time. I mean, for a guy that – Playoff P. Uh, he just he – So, just, so to, to live up to the Playoff P nickname, what, what does he – because he's, he's, he's flamed out with the Pacers, obviously, a bunch of times against the Heat when LeBron was running the East. Yep. Flamed out the Thunder. And when he was with Westbrook, Westbrook obviously bitched his way out to get to L.A. Flamed out here. What does he have to do to earn the playoff P nickname for the rest of his career? He has to win finals MVP. He's got to – I might even, like, not call him playoff P if he can just get to a one finals. I mean, I, I might <laughs> just, you know, in, in respect for him and, and the fact that I just don't want to keep flaming him year after year. But the guy is just the opposite of clutch, the opposite of – of a Brady type of a player. He, he just, he, you know, folds under pressure. He folds like a lawn chair every single, it doesn't matter. You, you put him on, like you say, you put him on the Pacers. He's pretty much the, the best player, arguably the best player. I mean, you had Roy Hibbert there, but uh, a guy also that, that turned into a ghost when, when the lights were on, but yeah, um, just, you know, I, I just, I, it's almost like he's kind of like a Westbrook. You just can't win with him. It, it, it doesn't matter what can't do. It. What, can't, can't win with him, can't coach with him, can't do it. But, uh, <laughs> Davis. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta throw that clip in. I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. But yeah, man, I, I I'm starting to think it's it's a combination of Doc Rivers being cursed, uh, a combination of, of you know playoff P being playoff P, and then just the Clippers, man. I, I the, how many years were they great with Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin and and Lob City and the whole squad, and, and they couldn't get it done then. So it's almost like the Clippers are are kind of like the Buffalo Bills. They, you know, I'm not going to say they, they've been to the championship and lost, but they just they can't seem to get over the hump no matter what, what they do and, and who they sign. No, it's, uh, it's tough. I, I think, you know, they're always going to be the, the little brother to the Lakers, but this was sort of the first time where, you know, obviously at Lob City, you know, they were doing well when the Lakers were sort of on the back end of Kobe's career, the back nine of Kobe's career, if you will, obviously not doing great, but – uh, this this more than anything felt like they had a legitimate super team. I mean, they have the best bench in the entire league. They're able to play, you know, 12, 13 guys. I mean, they played 14 guys in this game, which in a playoff game in game seven in the Western Conference Finals, they're probably the only team in the league that can do that. They have the sixth man of the year. They have uh, Jeff Green, uh, uh, Michael Green, excuse me. They have Montrezl Harrow, who's the sixth man of the year. They have Lou Williams coming off the bench. Uh, they have Leonard uh, Marcus Morris. So, I, I, I think uh, – 
this lineup is obviously very good. It, it just sort of felt like the first time that they had a legitimate super, super team. And it felt like for a while, um, obviously, before the bubble and at points throughout the bubble, that they were really going to challenge the Lakers uh, for the West. But all, all credit in the world to the, to the Nuggets. I don't think anybody expected them to be there. Uh, Skip Bayless certainly did not. He definitely took his lashings from Shannon today on Skip and Shannon. But uh, – what, what, I mean, what do you think they do moving forward? Do you think they blow up the team or do you think they run it back with the same squad? I, I, to me, I mean, I know they signed – or I know Paul George rather signed there for, uh, for a few years. But yeah, he's I, there. I think he, he is a major problem as far as just uh, not showing up big enough. Um, in this game uh, specifically, uh, you know, two for 11. I mean, it, you can't do that in a, in a game seven. And then uh, – That's just from three. That's just from three from the field, four of 16. Not great, obviously. Uh, and, and really, he hasn't been the, the defensive player that he used to be. So uh, what can he really contribute? Not, not a whole lot, especially when it matters. So uh, I think that's a problem. I don't know what you're going to do to get out of that. Uh, I don't think many teams are going to trade for, for him just because of the contract. I mean, they're not going to give you much for him. Uh, Doc Rivers, I'm kind of on the fence with. I don't, I don't think – Doc Rivers is an excellent coach. I think in Boston he got a lot of credit for a, a team that was kind of formed underneath of him, and he just kind of rode the wave. So uh, he's, doing, not, he's doing the same thing here. Like he, right. he, he, didn't, he didn't want to stay in Boston because he didn't want to go through a rebuild. Then he got Chris Ball, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, those guys, and then he finds Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out of nowhere. Uh, he has great players consistently, and he has one championship win. You know, when it, when there was only one team, it was clearly a super team, and that was the Celtics back when he did win. Yeah, I I, I don't know. To me, I, I think, you know, he's just not the guy. I, I don't know if, you know, you bring in a guy like Mark Jackson, if he is the guy. Oh, but Jesus I, Christ. I, I, might, I might roll the – I'd bring dice. Van Gundy than fucking Mark Jackson. Whoa. What about your boy uh, from, the, from the Cavs? I can't remember. Ty Lue? Ty Lue. Give Ty Lue he's, a shot? He's their assistant coach right now, I think. I'd, I'd give I'd, I'd give Tyler a shot. I I would. Uh, Dan Tony's free. He's not going back to Houston. I'd probably give him a shot. Uh, I, I think Philly wants Dan Tony. I heard uh, Billy Donovan. Maybe that, that's just something. To the Clippers or to the no to the Philly. That'd be a great that'd be a great hire as well. I I, I just I've seen Dan. To, uh, I'm one of those people. If I've seen it. You know, six, seven, eight times. I'm not going to say it's going to – you know, it's every, not going to change. Every time know? I think of D'Antoni, I just think of him on the mix and how much it does that. And on the Lakers. That yeah. year when it was Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, and Kobe. Yeah. When it was an absolute disaster. Disaster, you know, uh, you know I, dumpster fire. And obviously, he, you know, they, I don't think they made it to the conference finals um, since he's been on Houston. He's a good co- He's a good coach. Like, he has to have the – I mean, he has a fucking – one of the best offensive players of all time on his team uh, in, in James Harden, not to make this all about Houston, but – We've talked nothing about the Nuggets, which is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I do think they're going to get steamrolled uh, against against the Lakers. I could see them taking a game or two, but uh, and maybe they'll prove you wrong. I I got to be honest. I I don't know too much about the Nuggets except for Murray and Jokic are an unbelievable duo. They have Michael Porter off the bench, um, and that's basically all I know about them. Um, but you know, I I think uh, it just came out today that LeBron and Anthony Davis were, were named to first team All Pro. The only team in the league to have two guys on on the first team. So, it, you know, I just think that the firepower there with Rondo playing really well, um, Kuzma playing well, KCP playing well, I just think they have too much firepower. Maybe they get a game or two and, and maybe they play well defensively because I think the Nuggets are a pretty good defensive team. But um, I, I think the Lakers are also really good defensively too, uh, which is which is weird to say about a LeBron James team. Yeah, I, I kind of uncharacteristic. Um, 
Yeah, I could see them them winning two games. I don't know if they can, you know, upset the Lakers in, in this series. I fully anticipated this to be a Clippers-Lakers series, and now I'm kind of like, you know, what do the Nuggets really bring to the table other than um, just – I mean, they, they play a lot like a lot of the Western teams play. Uh, you know, they spread the ball out, but uh, pretty dominant in the paint as well. So it, it's one of those things where – um, they're just going to have to contain AD to a certain extent and then obviously not let LeBron throw 35 to 40 on him and, and maybe, you know, neutralize their their uh, outside, you know. You can't have Caruso or you can't really have uh, Kuzma drop, I would say, 20 to 25. Either, either one of those guys, if they go off, then it's going to be uh, you know, probably a quick series. Uh, so we'll yeah. see going forward. Uh, much to your point, I don't really know much about Denver enough to really speak on them as far as from a matchup standpoint. So. We're just going to have to uh, play it by ear and, and see how it plays out. I, I just want to see a good series. Um, obviously, I'm going to root against the Lakers in this one, but uh, I just want to see a good series be played. I don't, I don't want to see, uh, you know, even if the Nuggets would somehow win in a, in a short series, I just don't think that's the way it should be. Uh, I think the Clippers mat, would match up better. Uh, but that being said, I'm not totally, uh, you know, aware of, of how Denver really plays. I haven't seen them a ton this season. I, I've seen them probably a handful of times. Real quick before we jump, uh, what, what do you think of the, the series in the East? Do you like the Celtics or do you like the Heat coming out of the East? That's that's one that I've kind of, you know, I've bounced the head around in my head a good bit. Um, I think Boston on paper is definitely a better team, but I think uh, obviously the Heat are, are absolutely on fire. Jimmy Butler is just a man who can't be stopped right now. So I'm going to say Boston, but I'm going to say it goes a full – I'm gonna say six games in that series, Boston and six. I could see, I could see Boston winning. I, I, I do think that whoever, I, I think whoever comes out of the West is gonna win the title. I could absolutely see the Nuggets beating the the Heat or the Celtics, and I can, you know, obviously as an unbiased fan of LeBron, I'm just kidding, pretty biased LeBron James. I, I just think the Lakers again, like not to stroke them off even further. I just think, <laughs> I, I think there's no one that can. If they're playing how they can play, like if they're getting average nights from every one of their guys, they're going to win the title. So, which is scary. I mean, I, I, I could have said the same thing about the Clippers and, and, you know, fucking Paul George goes two for 11 from three. So it can happen. It's all uh, executed. I just think the West is, is far superior than, than the East. And, and the Nuggets have proved themselves to be in that conversation. Um, and, you know, they, they've been one of the best regular season teams the past three or four years. Uh, so I, you know, you can't count them out. Uh, and you certainly can't count out the Heat and the Celtics since they're both pretty scrappy and, and rely on you know grinded out basketball. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we got for you tonight, folks. Obviously, a pretty heavy NFL show, but uh, we're happy to have the NFL back and looking forward to breaking down the Jets, Eagles, in addition to some other uh, obviously teams and games next week. But uh, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and take us home? Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know. At least one of us has a, a better weekend. Just you know, this upcoming week, uh, just coming off tough, tough losses, and, and just uh, really a lot of question marks. At least uh, for me personally, uh, on on the Eagles, uh, I'm sure Dan feels the same way about the Jets. You know, where where are they going uh, week two? And, and we don't want to overreact yet, but it's one of those things that you know, if you have a bad taste in your mouth, it's hard to get that that taste out. So we'll see what happens, and uh, I'm definitely excited to see what what develops in the. Uh, the rest of the NBA season. Take us home.